tipped in the air and knocked away. KU's got to win it. Blah, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Welcome to another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and & Veatch. I am Greg Gurley, along with Wayne Simeon. We're all kind of in different areas right now, but we're all together on the Jayhawker Podcast. Big week for all of Kansas athletics. We're going to get into everything, but first, we are joined by Reagan Cooper, volleyball star. Second place, sole second place in the Big 12 NCAA tournament being hosted at the Porsche Family Center. So, huge week, uh, swept uh, uh, Central Florida this past weekend to solidify, I think, the fact that we're going to host. Found out yesterday, and and, and Reagan, welcome to the Jayhawker podcast, and uh, how excited are you to play at home this coming Thursday? Yeah, well, thank you all so much for having me. I'm very excited. We, I think the reason why the BYU game was so big is because we felt like we were kind of fighting for that host spot because it was, you know, still in the air. And once we realized that that was a possibility, I feel like it just fueled us for the rest of the season. So beating them and UCF at the end, um, it put us in the best spot. But we were still very unsure going into watching this election show yesterday. So we were all on the edge of our seats. And I've never hosted before. I've never been this high in the rankings before. So this is really exciting. This is all really new to me. Yeah, and the and the Horse Center was was rebuilt several years ago for this very purpose to to have a volleyball only center. And when we thank the the Stewart Horse family and all that they have done to provide you with this opportunity, because if it was the old one. You know, we had times that that we should have hosted and we didn't. And just such a massive advantage. You don't have to travel. You get more of your crowd there. The adrenaline. We talk about that with our football team, with our basketball team. How important it is, is it to you to have this at home? Very important. We have a great atmosphere. I remember when I was at Tech and I would come and play here, like we would part of our scouting would be, you know, talking to each other about the band the band's very loud during warm-up so we have to yell louder the fans are on top of us at tech the arena was very spread out um we played in our basketball arena so it was always different coming and having to play like at the horse and adjust so being on the home side of it um i can really see the advantage and i'm excited for other teams to come in and experience that as well now, Reggie, you mentioned that uh you were a texas tech transfer and actually with the the last couple of weeks that you've had Kevin McCuller might be the second best Texas Tech transfer that we have in our athletic department after you, uh, after you got a chance to rein in a national volleyball player of the week and, and, and a Big 12 offensive player of the week. But tell us a little bit about your journey uh, through the transfer portal to Lawrence, Kansas, uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a new facet in college athletics, of course, as we know it. But it's even more unique when it's done in conference, especially to someone who is a senior that and you told me a little bit earlier that at some point you were a little reluctant to even think if you're going to continue to play volleyball. And now you have the type of season uh, that you're having right now. So so give us a little bit of a glimpse into into that thought process and uh, your time in Kansas. 
Yeah, so this is my second time transferring. I was at Washington State for a year with Michaela Myers, who's the middle on our team. We were together for a semester, and then I transferred to Tech and then ultimately transferred here. So I've been through the portal before. It's not something super new to me. Uh, it's always a little nerve-wracking because you don't know what you're going to get. But when I had hit the portal, it was more so just to look at my options. But I was honestly very burnt out after my years, you know, at Washington State and Tech, so I was on the cusp and. I even texted my parents, told them I was done. I stayed on the portal, um, but I had already texted them, told them I was done. I had contacted compliance and was like, I'm thinking about getting off the portal. What does that mean? So I was basically, you know, I'd had it in my mind that I was done. Um, and then Michaela Myers committed. That's my best friend. And she texted me and she was like, you know, what can I do to get you to at least come visit here and see what it's like? Because like she wants to spend her last year with me. So I started talking to Billy. They brought me on a visit. I think it was around February, and then I committed shortly after that. And is it, it's obviously been everything you had hoped and dreamed it would be a second yes. place, sole possession of second place in the Big 12, and hosting the NCAA tournament. Just been a magical year. Yeah, it's definitely exceeded my expectations. I knew about the KU program, and I'd always, you know, kind of looked up to it. Their culture seemed very solid. Like looking at them across the net, everyone seemed comfortable. Everyone seemed happy. Um, and so it always been a program that I had known about, played against for a while. And being a part of it, you know, it's, as I said, it's really exceeded my expectations. This is the best ending I could have possibly had. So I want you to put on your kind of recruiting hat. So mm -hmm. you've been at two different programs. You've seen how other coaches coach. You've now been with Ray Bouchard and Billy and, and his staff for uh, almost a year. What sets them apart? What makes them special? And what can you tell the next group of recruits why they should come to KU? Well, for one, um, they make it very clear, not just in the recruiting, but every day in practice, like how important that we are as people outside of athletes, outside of, you know, being athletes. Um, they always tell us to check in on ourselves, on our mental health, on our physical health. And that's not something you really like hear from coaches very much. Coach V will always say at practice, like, he's so grateful that we're here. And that's very special because I've never heard like a coach, like thank his players like that. Like I'm, he, he tells us he's happy to be spending his Saturday with us. You know, if we have a Saturday early morning practice that most people, you know, don't want to be doing, He's like, I'm so grateful to be here with you guys. And you can just tell how much they care about us as people and as players. And each coach brings something different. So it's it's been amazing. Awesome. Well, it's been awesome to see your game uh, grow and progress to now where you're playing your best volleyball when it means the most here at the end of the season. And and what were some things that, uh, that the coaches did to kind of help unlock uh, your potential uh, because I know it could be different, right? You know, making a, a transition in the portal, having to adjust to new culture, new teammates, new system. Uh, but how have you been able to do that so well, um, especially with the type of volleyball that you're playing here lately? I mean, just kill after kill after kill. You have a huge long windup, skying over the block, uh, just throwing it down over the top of the block. Like, I don't even think I've seen you get blocked yet this uh, <laughs> several matches. Uh, and so talk to us about your volleyball progression as a Jayhawk. Yeah, I feel like it's improved a lot. And um, a lot of it does come down to scouting and film. Um, I feel like we have a very good process when it comes to scouting the other team and knowing where 
is open on the court, you know, who's in front of me. Um, if I have a big blocker or a small blocker, if the set, if the setter's in front of me, that kind of stuff. I feel like there's a lot of emphasis put on that part of the scouting that I'm not really used to. And I think it does show in the game. You know, I get on the court and I feel like I know my shots and what's going to score. Um, another big part of that is Cam. You know, she's an amazing setter. The plays she makes are are flawless. Uh, she's always communicating with me, talking to me, uh, pushing me inside, outside, depending on how big my blocker is. So technique stuff like that. And also trusting my DSs, trusting that they'll cover me. It's hard to like swing away and swing hard when you're scared of getting blocked. But if you have like your DSs behind you covering you, ready to pick up those blocks, then it, you know, it makes you feel more comfortable to swing away. So the trust with my team on the court has improved a lot and with the coaches as well whenever they give me shots i feel like i just automatically trust what they're saying to me well our guest today is reagan cooper volleyball star uh, ncaa tournament upcoming here in a couple days hosted in lawrence uh playing against omaha we talked earlier that you played omaha in the preseason and and had success but that was a long time ago and you know we look at it a lot in basketball where we used to play the round robin where you played somebody early in January and they're a much different team come end of February. Talk about Omaha, talk about your team's prep for this and how can you kind of cut out the noise and not revert back to that preseason match in which you swept this team. Yeah, they've, um, I feel like they have improved a lot since we last played them. They, I believe, did very well in their conference. And, you know, knowing that we have a lot more new film to watch for preseason, we were just watching like last year's film, maybe if they played a couple of games before, but now we have a lot more film and material to watch to prepare for, you know, them now. And just as, you know, I've improved since preseason and our team has improved, like theirs has as well. They're a good team. And so we're going to respect them across the net. We're going to be grateful that we have the opportunity to face them again. Um, but it's going to be basically starting from scratch again, watching brand new film, also watching what they did against us as well, so that we can adjust that aspect of the game. Well, certainly going to be important to uh, hone in on Omaha and not look past the potential uh, Power Five and, and Big Ten foe, uh, Penn State, Nittany Lions, mm -hmm. waiting for you guys possibly on Friday, uh, as I know a lot of volleyball fans are looking forward to that matchup is uh, the Big Ten is seen as one of the top conferences uh, in volleyball. But well, let's rewind one game back as you got a chance to experience senior day uh, there mm -hmm. in uh, the Horse Arena and your family got a chance to come up again. You've experienced some incredible environments uh, throughout your collegiate experience, uh, both home environments at Tech and Wazoo, but also uh, on the road. Talk to us about the home environment that your parents got a chance to experience and what are you going to need the fans to bring coming up as we host these two matches here in Lawrence? Yeah. I mean, we're going to need the fans to bring, you know, what they always do energy. I feel like every single time we play at home, they bring the same amount of energy, um, whether it's like fully packed or not, you know, people are standing up on big points cheering and they're like on top of us, as I said, so it makes it feel even bigger than it actually is. Uh, but my senior night was great. I'm so glad my parents got to experience that. I didn't actually have a senior night at Tech because I was planning to take my fifth year there. Um, so my transfer was a surprise, so I didn't get a senior night there. So um, this is my first senior night. This isn't like my second as some fifth years have. So it was more special to me. Um, and I'm glad they got to experience it. And the fans were amazing as always. 
Well, we always say, you know, we talk football and whatever, pack the booth. Uh, pack the horse doesn't have the same hit, but, you know, the tickets, <laughs> tickets have been on sale to our donor base and they'll scoop up everything that's available. I know mm -hmm. the public sale just went out, uh, well, on Monday. So no question that it'll be packed 2000 plus in there. And it's a different, yes. it's 2000 doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a different 2000 in a, in a venue like that. You've played all over the country and, mm -hmm. and you know, I always say back in the day, Gallagher Iba arena that seated 6,000 was the second loudest arena that I ever played in. That's what 6,000, not 16,000. So talk about right. the, the acoustics or whatever it is about horse that makes it so difficult to play in. Yeah. Um, the, since it is, you know, a smaller arena compared to most and everyone's so close and on top of you, it's just loud and not just like the fans, but also the band. And like, as, as I mentioned earlier, whenever I would come and play with tech, we would be like, a big part of it would be we need to talk loudly to each other because we literally can't hear each other. So um, it's just loud in there. And whenever big points happen and everyone stands up, it feels like the building literally shakes and you like just can't hear for a second. Um, so I feel like it can be an intimidating environment for people to come into. And, you know, these teams might not know that yet just from watching it on TV. So I'm excited for them to experience that and for us to show that to them. Well, it's going to take everyone, obviously, a one-and-done scenario with the mm -hmm. NCAA tournament and, and uh, you know, you have an opportunity on Thursday and then another one on Friday, let's hope. So we're all yes. pulling for you. I know that Jayhawk Nation is excited uh, to host, excited to get behind you, and uh, we're, we're just so happy for you and everyone that uh, uh, once again back in the NCAA tournament. Yes, thank you so much. We're excited to play, and hopefully – get past these two rounds and then I believe we go to Wisconsin next after that. So it's going to be a long flight, but it's the flight we want to take. We definitely want to get there. Yeah. Survive and advance. Our guest Reagan Cooper, appreciate your time. Get back at it, get a couple good days of practice and we'll see you Thursday in the, I say in the horse, in horse. Mm -hmm. I, we say the booth, but we, we got to, right. we got to come up with something better, but the horse, yeah. uh, such a great, great facility for us so wish you all the luck in the world rock chalk yes rock chalk thank you all so much for having me all right well that was reagan cooper of your ncaa tournament bound kansas volleyball team getting set to play omaha so thank reagan for joining us and uh, wayne we've had quite a week quite a couple weeks really uh i joined you from my balcony kind of in honolulu which i know kind of pissed you off because i was was 81 degrees and it wasn't back here but uh you handled it well and had a little fomo i would imagine but uh shoveled a little snow while you were away at least i kept my shirt off which was probably a bonus for you correct <laughs> well let's i think we dig into uh, uh let's dig into uh maui slash honolulu the maui classic um you know when we we filmed our last podcast it was it was uh, we had just played chaminade and it was a game we needed to win, obviously, and we, we did that going away and then stumbled against Marquette. And so I think as we dig into Marquette a little bit, it it provided uh, some affirmation or whatever of of who we are. We knew we knew what could happen to us, and it kind of did. You know, we didn't shoot the ball that well. They took Hunter out of the game. Who was going to step up? We know about our big four. What about our next four? And those next four, 
didn't play all that great. And, and so they, we lost. Marquette played great. We didn't play very well. It was a perfect storm. Hey, this ain't college football. If you lose early, it's not the end of the world. It's all about how you get back up off the mat. So let's put a bow on Marquette. Give me your opinions after watching it on television and where you saw some room for improvement, some of our deficiencies, and, and then how we improved on that against Tennessee. Yeah, no, I think you said a lot there, Greg. And, you know, I was excited about the matchup just by, um, you know, sheer ranking. They were the preseason number one team, obviously, before we raided the portal and got Hunter and a couple other guys and, and, and we slung shot past him. But at the same time, I did not like the matchup uh, because of uh, their length and their athleticism uh, and, and their depth. And and all of those things bothered us. Um, you know, back in uh, in Honolulu, uh, one of the things that, that you think about or at least that I am uh, for this team, and is that there's not a lot of margin for error. You know, one through four, uh, we know what we're going to get. There's some question marks after that. But one thing that really surprised me about that game was the amount of turnovers that we had. And we don't score the ball well enough to turn the ball over and not even get field goal attempts at the basket. Uh, 18 so, turnovers in that game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 18 turnovers, and and um, you know they had it sped up and 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 things like that. And so, I think uh, and, and we've seen hints of that uh, throughout the year. We haven't quite played a team as athletic as them. Um, you know, we beat Kentucky, but they were a little missing missing a few pieces. Um, you know, and they remind me a lot. We could they could end up looking a lot like Houston, and we're going to see them twice in uh, conference play. And so that's something that we're certainly going to have to sure up right away is finding ways to protect the ball and at the very least get shots on goal, um, you know, before uh, before we could do anything else. Now, mind you, we also have to consider with their athleticism and the energy that they play with, usually we have a guy that can match that and his name is KJ Adams, but sadly he was not himself for obvious reasons, for reasons that are certainly, certainly warranted, uh, you know, after losing his mom and making that long trip, just to even be there, just the fact that he was there was amazing. It was more than enough. Uh, but but when you see uh, KJ Adams have games where he's not dunking the basketball, you know, where he's not pounding his chest and, and waving his fist like he normally is, especially against those uh, teams that, that are as athletic as us, um, you know, you can tell something was a little off. So we certainly missed uh, out on that energy that he traditionally provides, which he will. Uh, as we get further and further down the season. And so uh, it was a difficult loss because, of course, everyone was uh, really excited about the potential matchup of, of Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady in the championship game. Uh, but it was it was useful in a way of, of finding out, hey, where we really are right now, some things we get a chance to shore up. And we did some of those things against against Tennessee. Let's let's transition to, to Tennessee. Yeah, to put a bow on on the Marquette game, you know, you mentioned KJ, three points, two rebounds, and and you can't fault him at all because the 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 strain mentally that he was dealing with the week leading up to that then getting on a plane on that monday the day we played chaminade and it's a difficult travel he drove two hours to dallas flew to oakland oakland to hawaii and then played 26 minutes and like bill said in our pregame interview is like sometimes you you play on adrenaline that first game and then the second game you kind of get hit in the face like you just got hit by a truck and you, and you just are drained. We, we saw that. He referenced it with the T-Rob situation, however many, you know, 10 years ago where yeah, if you remember, yeah, you remember that game, we came out like gangbusters. We were great. I think we were up 18 at one point yeah. in that first half. I remember and everyone, that game. Like, all right. And then 
none of our team had slept the night before. And then second half just fell flat. So similar deal. And, and Marquette did a good job of taking Hunter out of the game, forcing us to try to beat him from the outside. We ended up going 6-17 from a three-point line. Uh, and so, hey, again, perfect storm. We were only down 10 and a half. The one thing we didn't mention was we we got hit hard on the offensive glass. Uh, Marquette did a – they got so many second-chance points and so many points off turnovers. And those are all correctable things. You know, shooting is going to be – is what it is, but – being able to box out and get defensive rebounds and taking care of the basketball, it's an entirely different game if we just do those things. Those are big if, ands, and buts. I get it. But those are things that are, are correctable. It had, the, it had the making of the North Carolina National Championship game. We're, down, we're only down by 10 in this one, but, but they kept getting second-chance points, and we kept turning it over, bad turnovers. And we're like, all right, all we got to do is shore that up. But it proves to you that, we don't just have that switch that we can flip quite yet. 2022 obviously had it. This team has got some growing to do, and it's going to – you said it best. Our margin for error is very, very thin, yeah. and, and we, we don't have the depth. We don't have the outside shooting, and we don't really have that, that get a bucket. You know, Kevin's our best part of just getting a bucket. When there's 10 on the shot clock, he can go. But at some point, they're going to take that away and force Kevin to beat you from the outside and not let him continuously drive to the bucket. So, uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you actually mentioned uh, the offensive rebounding because there were several moments late in the game where we cut it, you know, single digits within five. And there are a few things that are more deflating when you're making a run to cut into a lead. You have great first shot defense and you give up an offensive rebound and yeah. and some of these offensive rebounds it wasn't like we were getting beat at the glass or at the rim they were long rebounds which turned into like 50 50 balls kind of out and around the three-point line which which we didn't get which we didn't come up with a lot of that has to do with with um you know guards need to block out and being aggressive to go get the basketball and not expecting a hunter or kj to come down uh with every single board um, but uh, but that is something that is notable that, again, margin for error personnel wise, margin for error and not turning the ball over margin for error and losing. I'm not even going to say the rebounding battle, losing the blockout battle, because that's what needs to happen before we even get a chance to get our hands on those rebounds. There's got to be contact five on five contact uh, with everyone, especially against teams that outmatch athletically. Look, you know, athletic wise, look. You know, maybe Nick Timberlake, tough to keep up with those guys. Johnny Furphy still getting his feet up under him. But you don't need to be that athletic to get a block out, you know, to, 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 you know, to put your hip on someone. And maybe you don't get the rebound, but you need to be physical and aggressive enough in a way to make sure those other guys don't get a rebound. And we've got to, we've got to control the glass on that because I'll tell you what, we got UConn looming. That is a big, long, aggressive team that will maul us on the glass. I got a chance to watch him twice over the break. I'm sure you got a chance to flip your TV on and watch him play Indiana and whatnot. And, and uh, they're, they're looking to come into the field house and, 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 and dominate and, and try to embarrass us. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you said it. I looked at the stats. Marquette was 6 of 25 from three-point line. They missed a ton of shots, but they got a lot of them back, and they were long rebounds, and it just seemed like they were quicker to the ball. They wanted it more. And and so, hey, it happens sometimes. Ball doesn't bounce your way. And then the reality of how this tournament was set up was for some reason, and I still don't understand why, in the winner's bracket, you play the last <laughs> game on Tuesday night 
which was a, you know, a slug fest. We got back to the hotel uh, last Tuesday at about nine o'clock at night. We had a wake up call at five 30 because we do four hours prior to the game, nine 30 tip, five 30 wake up call. Usually pregame meals at five 30. They moved it. They, they added an hour. So it was really six 30, but it was a quick turn. Hey, I mean, so much for relaxing in paradise, right? So much for, hey, enjoy the nice tropical destination. No, you're, you're there to work three games in three days and late tip, early tip. That's tough. You know, I've never been a part of anything like that, neither at Bill or any of our guys. But it's like, all right, Tennessee's got to deal with a similar type deal. They played the game before us, so they had about three hours on us. But we essentially had 12, 13 hours before we turned around and played again. They had, you know, 15, 16 so we're like, okay, it's going to be a toughness game. And that's what I hate the fact that we lost, but I love the fact that we fought. I mean, it was tied at half against Tennessee. It was a 50-50 game. And when we needed to make big plays in that stretch of the middle of the half, second half, we did. Guys stepped up. Jamari McDowell, uh, guys that you didn't even think were going to step yeah, up. Yet again, yet again. So, you know, we're starting to see – uh, uh, solidifying somewhere in that seven, eight spot, Jamari, maybe even six Jamari proved that he can guard Jamari proved that he's not afraid to take a big shot. He made two threes against T Cincinnati and Nick Timberlake had got whacked in the head in that second half or excuse me, in the first half and just wasn't the same after that. I, I still think, I know Nick's going to be a big part of this team, but Jamari because of that injury and because of El Marco's play got an opportunity and he seized the opportunity. And I just love that we had that toughness type win against a team that is really tough. I mean, Rick Barnes coach teams, they've had our number the last two times we played them once in Knoxville three years ago. And then last year uh, uh, in Allen Fieldhouse, they just, they they got us. I mean, they they got us, not, not, not in Allen Fieldhouse, the Bahamas. You see how I can get Bahamas and Allen Fieldhouse mixed up. We played them in the Bahamas and it was never a game. So going into that, Tennessee had a ton of confidence and uh, we just snatched it from them. And there's, it's obviously it's way different to go one and two than two and one, especially if that one win was against Chaminade. That's yeah. a, essentially a buy. So we wouldn't have gone out of there winning one game. We would have really felt like we went 0 and two. Yeah. I, that, that was such an underrated win against Tennessee. I mean, they were still ranked number seven in the country they were still you know one of you know four teams that had a legitimate chance of going in there and winning that whole tournament they're still picked to win the, the 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 sec and so uh and then for all the reasons that you mentioned greg in terms of uh the, the quick turnaround and look you know three games in three days is brutal you know one thing that's a little bit unique between these you never do that you never do it in the year this is the only time i mean NCAA tournament you play one game, get a day off, and play yeah. another. So this and, is I mean, you do, you do it in the Big Twelve tournament, but it's different because you've seen teams two times, right? right. You you prep and had a scouting report over those teams multiple times, you know, let alone a new opponent thirteen hours to be able to prep and to get ready. But I really like the way we won that game because it was uh, there was nothing flashy or pretty about it. It was a gritty toughness game. Jamar McDowell continuing to to establish himself as, as that type of player in those gritty and tough moments. Hey, even though he hadn't gotten a start yet. You know, may not get a start, but I'll tell you what, he's on the floor during the right times when the stakes are the highest coming in to get stopped there there at the end. And so uh, that, that was actually a big time win. I know 
It can be overlooked because we wanted to play in the championship game. We wanted to bring home the full surfboard and all those things. But but I think that type of finish in Maui slash Honolulu is going to give us some good momentum going into to a pretty big competition uh, week. Actually, competition two weeks as we've got uh, coming up and, and we see all who's on the schedule there. You know, we, we kind of start talking about the Jamari McDowell's and the other guys and kind of forget how important Kevin McCullough is. I mean, he was a, a warrior in that tournament. He wasn't feeling good. He was sick all three of the games, but every yeah, game. I haven't mentioned Hunter Dickinson yet. All tournament team, 20 points, 13 rebounds. Again. I mean, come on, man. We're, yeah, it's almost like we're – you know, we don't mention Dewan, and Dewan had a didn't have a great tournament, but Dewan still – is the quarterback of this team. And and we'd be here for two hours if we went through line by line. But I think we need to highlight, because we know what we got with the big four. And like I said earlier, we know what, and KJ came in strong. And that's that shows me so much about KJ and his mental, uh, uh, just everything about how he had, uh, approached that game, his mental focus, his phys- physicality, everything took, Digging down three days in a row after struggling in that Marquette game, he goes six and nine from the field. Uh, got three, four, excuse me, four rebounds, a couple assists, and a steal. I thought he's really become a much better passer several times in that in that game. He's been able to penetrate and dump off for easy passes or alley oops to hunt. So KJ to be able to deliver when we needed him on that third game in three days after all he's gone through. Tells me everything. I mean, I already knew it, but that tells me everything I know, need to know about that guy's mental makeup. Yeah, and the great thing about the mental makeup that he showed there, which I'm elated that you highlighted, is that type of mental makeup is contagious, right? Yeah. It's contagious. The other guys are going to feed off of that mental toughness and fortitude that he showed. And guess what? It gives no one an excuse on, oh, you know, Nick Timberlake, hey, I fell down, someone dove on my head. I can't. No, wait, KJ lost his mom. He traveled across the world to be able to get there, to be with his brothers, to play, to be in the foxholes, man, to be able to get, compete and combat that out. And so um, and so, I, I, hopefully those guys can be able to feel that frenzy. And guess what? It's far from over because there's still arrangements being made for the family and he's still getting closure and all those type of things. And so hopefully more so than ever, the, the his teammates will be able to rally around him and uh, and they'll be able to feed off and support one another uh, during this time as, as, as the season moves on. Yeah, so as we move on, you mentioned it. Uh, Friday night is the UConn game, obviously. There's a game Tuesday night against Eastern Illinois that uh, will, will be a, an interesting game simply because of how your body reacts. To, you know, to give you a little timeline, we left Honolulu at about 7.30 on Thanksgiving night, which is 1130 Lawrence time. So you fly throughout the night, kind of lose a day of sleep, unless you can sleep on a plane, which I can't. So it kind of jacks you up a little bit. And then, you know, had a couple days off, but then they get right back at it. So uh, how they react on Tuesday will be another challenge to their makeup as far as, hey, we cannot overlook Eastern Illinois. I believe they're two and five, but just Throw that out the window. I mean, James Madison won at Michigan State. There's been, you know, we saw Jackson State win at Missouri. So college basketball parity right now because of the transfer portal and how teams can get quick, can quickly get better. Even just throw the records out the window. Everybody's got guys. So we need to be ready to go Tuesday night. And then the big one, uh, defending national champs, UConn Huskies, trying to uh, – 
I don't know if they're trying to enter the blue blood conversation. I think they're probably already there. I think they're cemented in there, man. Yeah, I, think, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Other people say, "Well, they're not." Yeah, Carolina no, I'm or one of those guys. Gosh, five titles. I, I'm with you. Twenty no, no. years. Oh, I'm with you. But another step in that trans, you know, as you move forward and transformation into that blue blood, let's say is Friday night. Uh, I watched them a couple times and man, they don't, they got a couple injuries too. And I think I, I saw that Indiana game and I'm like, man, they're good. And they lost guys. They, they've got a, they've got an interesting matchup. We almost saw it with Hunter and Zach Eady. They've got a seven foot two guy. And so Hunter's not going to just have his way. Hunter's more skilled and has the ability to do some other things, but you're still not shooting over, a six foot five guy from Chaminade, you're shooting, trying to shoot over a guy that you're looking eye to eye. Yeah, 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 uh, it certainly does. And and one thing that that Hunter, uh, I don't want to say struggles with, but that when he has matchups with guys that are as equal of strength with him, that can keep him pushed off the block, uh, that can keep him pushed off deep duck ends. And I'm talking five to seven feet away from the basket outside the paint. He has a little bit of trouble, like finding angles and using a crab dribbler spin move to be able to score. The best thing that happens is he gets fouled, or he usually fans out, or finds someone uh, that's cut to the basket. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, him go up against someone that is of, of, of equal size and equal strength uh, of him. And you know, what? I don't want to look past this Eastern Illinois game, uh, though. Though we certainly should beat them. To me, the most important thing that could happen in that game. It's for the younger guys to get quality reps and to build confidence. We need El Marco Jackson to make sure that he comes out of Eastern Illinois game and has confidence, that he takes care of the ball, that he's assignment correct, that he uses athleticism the way that we know he can and get to the rim, finish. I need to see a monster dunk out of him. I need to see elite speed in broken floor situations. I need knockdown threes from the corner by, by Nick Timberlake. I need Parker to catch a couple of uh, lives. We need those type of guys to kind of get their confidence and their juice back because we're going to need one or two of those guys to play above what they're capable of to make sure that we're able to beat a team like UConn, even at home. And so that's something that I have an expectation of uh, for us as we're entering into this. East. Now, we should win. Yes. Hunter, all right, 2013, that's fine. But we need these young guys, five through eight, to be able to get some quality reps and build confidence. Completely agree, and I'm glad you said that. That's the first time we had mentioned El Marco Jackson, who had a struggle. And, and what Bill and the staff wants El Marco to do is, hey, play like you did in high school. Play like what you – you were recruited to Kansas for a reason because you're an elite athlete, you're an elite player, you're an elite offensive talent. I think he's got all the makings to be a good defender. And right now he's just kind of playing lost and without not any confidence and kind of just kind of phased out. I think, you know, he's, he's deferring as he should, but when he gets the ball and needs to go, you know, you see it on, on our guys are like, Hey, El Marco, go. You and I've seen it in practice a hundred times, how good he has been. And then when he gets in the game, he just kind of locks up. So uh, we have, Two weeks in a row where we have similar type deals. Well, UConn on Friday, but that's preceded with Eastern Illinois on Tuesday. The following Saturday, we play Missouri, but that's preceded on a Tuesday against UMKC. So Eastern Illinois will be a great uh, proving ground for Nick Timberlake, El Marco Jackson, 
Parker Brown, Jamari McDowell, all of those guys to get some confidence. We know what we got with the other guys. They're not going to, Hunter's not going to show us something we haven't seen before. We get it. KJ, Dewan, Kevin, I get it. This is not a mystery. We know how they're going to make their money. We need to know how the next four are going to do it. And I'm excited to talk to some of our guys Saturday morning after the game because the first couple games we had, you know, then you go you know, late night and then the first couple games talking to Hunt and talking to some of the other uh, Nick Timberlake and newbies. They're like, man. Yeah, they think they know they don't know yet. Go, this yeah. is unbelievable. And I'm like, we're playing Manhattan and North Carolina Central. I go, hey, no, agreed. But this is like a, uh, a tune-up. UConn and Missouri are going to be hyped. I mean, they're going to – Mike Lickert and Douglas Shepard are going to have that volume knob turned to 11 or 12, even though it stops at 10. They're going to have it, – it's going to be electric and uh, looking forward, uh, uh, number one, to tomorrow night. I don't want to dumb it down, but like you said, we should win. But go out and play the game. And then uh, UConn on Friday – ESPN will be there, Dan Shulman and Jay Billis. We will be the – it'll be it in the country. Everyone's going to be tuning in this game. It's a great commercial and a showcase for us to to show really who we are, and that's playing against the defending national champs. You want to you want a way to measure yourself? You're going to find out Friday night. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly is. Looking forward to Friday night lights too, man. It's a game on Friday. I can't think of uh... – a better matchup in a scenario that isn't college game day uh, than what we're getting ready to to experience there. And then, of course, you couple that with uh, hopefully a volleyball game going on next door as uh, as those ladies take care of Omaha and then they'll likely be playing Penn State, possibly Yale, but probably Penn State uh, there uh, during that during that time as well. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about the young guys a little bit, and then, and then I'll digress. Why that's so important, uh, number one, you mentioned the cadence of the schedule, okay? You've got uh, Eastern Illinois, then UConn, then UMKC, then Missouri, and then I think we got Yale on the schedule, Wichita State at Indiana. There's not going to be a lot more reps left to be able to get a feel and to build confidence. Um, you know, I like that it's going into the Christmas break because we know that uh, the practice length and intensity gets a chance to, to, to get a lot longer because the guys aren't in class. Uh, that's when Coach Self does some of his best work is over that break. And he needs to because the looming gauntlet, as we are, hey, and we don't overstate that. We say it a lot. It's not overstated the gauntlet that is the Big 12. And so it's going to be important these next three to four weeks uh, for uh, for those younger guys to really get things going. Uh, because if not, if there's, if there's little margin for error now, Greg, Think about how little there is when we get into the dog days of conference play, those Saturday, Monday type flipovers where you're traveling from Morgantown to West Virginia and then coming back and playing Oklahoma State. I mean, man, it's it's coming. It's it's upon us, isn't it? Oh, dog days is right. And the grind is real. You know, it's I'm glad you said something about Christmas break because come, you know, mid-December when school's out, then there are no more rules as far as practice time. They can go and, and get in the gym, live in the gym. And I think this will be a crucial several weeks for our team as Bill will implement more and more things because so far they've put in a lot of stuff, but not everything. I mean, he he, he knows what he's doing. Obviously, he's been here 21 years, and he knows how he's going to do it. And he, and he evaluates what we have right now to what he's going to put in, in in December. 
And I think it's kind of changed this year as opposed to years past because in years past, we've had the ability for guys just to go get buckets. You don't have to really call ear, nose, chin, whatever. This team, I think there's going to be more X's and O's and more sets because you got to get Hunter in a place. Hunter's not going to just improvise and beat you. Kevin is, Dewan is, but KJ and Hunt kind of need the set. So my point is, I think during break, they're going to put more and more things in, and we've got the best in the business drawing it up. And, you know, it, it's it's one thing to have Jims and Joes, but you got to have X's and O's. And he's one of the best in the country, whether it's sideline out-of-bounds, baseline out-of-bounds, half-court sets, whatever. We're going to need plays to get buckets more so than, hey, Ochai, just go get us one. Hey, Remy, do a turnaround three from the top of the key with nothing on the clock and make it. Like, I don't know if we have that right now. You said it. You said it. All hey, right. guess what? Guess what? There was a football game this weekend too, man. How about that? How Give about that? It. How about the strong finish that Coach Lance Leipold, Jason Dean, Devin Neal, how about the finish those guys had on the road? Is there you know, a faster I, is there a faster guy in the college football or NFL than Jason Bean, when he turns that corner, you know what it reminded me of? Those two times he turned the corner, Tyreek Hill versus Buffalo with like, what, a minute 30 to go? And there was like three guys in front of him, and he outran them all just right down the middle. That, that that's when he gave him the deuces, the, when he was running right by him. He gave him the yeah. deuces. He was going into the end zone. That's what that Bean, where he went over to the right, and that, that first of his two touchdowns in the second half, that's what that reminded me of. Man, what the wheels on that kid are ridiculous. So – they get the win. They get us to eight wins. Last year, six. This year, eight. And I know I, I hate to bring it up, but we're all just – we look at some of our losses and how eight could have easily been 10, could have easily been 11. Who knows, you know, but it's hey, what it is. taking eight wins in, in, in early September, late August, if, if, if someone told you that we would go eight and four Kansas football – and, and be headed to a quality bowl, would you not have taken that? 100%. 100%. But, 100%. But, but it's a new age. I'm greedy. You're greedy. We want more. I guarantee you when we have Lance Leipold on the Jacker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, he'll say the same thing. But is what it is. We have those struggles. And, and the, the you talk about the margin for error. I mean, we were so close, but okay. Eight and four, we'll obviously take it. And we're improving six wins, eight wins. Next year, we're going to get 11, 12, and, and just keep on moving this forward. The timing couldn't be better. The new Big 12, get rid of those two. I'm so glad Oklahoma State came back and beat BYU. I could have cared less about that game, but I did not want to see Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. Do you concur? I 100% concur, um, but I don't want to give them nearly as much credit because something happened Saturday that we hadn't seen in a long That was a dominant win. We hung 50 points on the road on their scene today. Look, I don't care what uh, Cincinnati's record, 3-8 and eight or whatever, going, coming in, coming into that. We were in the college football playoff two years ago. That was a dominant Football win. You think about it, you look at our schedule, we're seeing, you know, hey, two and three point losses, 
you know, even in Ames, Iowa, it felt like they were breathing on our neck and we could just barely close the door on them. We were firing on all cylinders playing fast and exciting football, right? And, and that's the type of momentum that you want to finish the season with. That's the type of, uh, of energy and confidence that you want to go into the bowl season with because guess what? Fans are going to want to travel to see that. Whether we end up in Orlando, Texas, Phoenix, whatever, if that brand of football that we saw on Saturday, Jason Bean hitting the edge at 25 miles an hour and Kobe Bryant with the one-hand picks, like if that brand of football is going to be on display in those places, even if it's over Christmas break, even if plane flights are $100 or $800 going to Arizona, people are going to line up to be able to see that. And I love the way that we finish. Like that's putting the college football world on notice, hey, Hey, Kansas football is here and here to stay. We scored 49 points in three quarters because the first quarter we kind of forget Kansas is down three to nothing. And Cincinnati's got the ball starting the second quarter. And Kobe Bryant might have made, I, I kept watching the Sports Center top 10 Saturday and Sunday, and that wasn't on there. I was, it doesn't really mean anything other than it's ridiculous. Whoever's, who's ever doing it, whoever rate that's one of the greatest interceptions or receptions by an offensive player ever he had his body turned going full speed he turned around and caught it with one hand 100 clean and his jaw dropping as that play was it still pales in comparison to his hit stick for the scoop and score that he had against illinois i mean agreed as dynamic as they come and he's got not one but two of the most dynamic defensive plays if not plays of the year for us let alone in college football i'd be i'd be surprised to find another defensive play better than that pick that he had on saturday or the hit stick scoop and score that he had earlier in the season we're, we're going to be seeing kobe bryant plays forever in videos that that lickard and shepherd come up with because another one we didn't even mention was last year against west virginia the pick six that really started this this uprising of of Kansas football because you remember remember those games last year I think it was West Virginia and Houston we started both those games out fourteen nothing down and stormed all the way back to win and I think there's so many things that happen in a in a football season but they really it really comes down to like a handful of plays that can make or break a season and that that interception granted we scored forty nine points in three quarters but that interception. Uh, again, one of the most unbelievable athletic plays I think I've ever seen. Well, some exciting time yet again for Kansas Athletics. Man, get your tickets this Thursday and Friday. Come support the women's volleyball team. Uh, hey, women's basketball in, 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 in honor of the big uh, NCAA performance, shifting their game to 1230 on Thursday. You can come and catch you know, two for one, man. Come check out the women's basketball game playing, and they had a uh, uh, you know great effort and performance there uh, in the Grand Caymans, even though they came up short against the uh, Final Four team and of course a perennial power UConn. Uh, were in it, had opportunities to win it. They're back home, uh, getting after it on Thursday, then hang around Thursday evening to see the um, women's volleyball team uh, host NCAA's, and then of course Friday we've got. Another doubleheader yet again, and and then we'll be biting our nails on Sunday to see where our bowl location is, man. Greg, where would you prefer to go? I'd probably prefer Phoenix. Uh, obviously, love that area. Um, it's December twenty sixth, I believe, so that might 
dig into our Christmas a little bit, but hey, man, I, I, I'm I have just... to dig into a golf bag while we're down there, huh? Maybe, huh? maybe. Uh, I just that that place is is special, and we have a ton of snowbirds. Uh, a lot of our donors that have homes down there that go down there in the winter time, so that'll be nice to uh, you know they 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 should you know break away from the golf course and go check us out. I believe that game is at Arizona Diamondbacks Stadium, baseball uh, stadium. So that'll be an interesting uh, uh, deal. So we don't know that for sure. We'll find out, I believe, on Sunday, right? Yep, I think so. Because every there's, there's there's a big old jigsaw puzzle. They got to, you know, and it sounds like if it's there, it'll be a big 10 team. And, of course, there'll be North- plenty of speculation leading up. You know, my phone's already blowing up. Hey, I hear we're going to Shreveport. Hey, I hear we're going to Orlando. Can I get Disney tickets? Blah, 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 blah. Well, there'll be plenty of speculation leading up to that. We'll find out for sure on Sunday. Yep. So a lot going on. Like you said, a lot, a lot going on the last couple of weeks, and it's just no different this week. Basketball Tuesday night against Eastern Illinois. Like you said, the women play moved up 1230 on Thursday in Allen Fieldhouse to accommodate uh, just logistically to have the NCAA tournament there. And then with a Kansas victory, play again, or excuse me, volleyball on Thursday night. And then with a Kansas victory, uh, once again, that afternoon, right before the UConn game. So get a hotel room in Lawrence, camp out, get your RV, do whatever. Lawrence, Kansas will be the place to be the next five days, right? This has been another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and by Black & Veatch. Take ownership of your career, your future, and your success. Find them at bv.com slash careers. I am Greg Gurley along with Wayne Simeon. We were joined by Reagan Cooper of Kansas Volleyball, going to be on stage Thursday afternoon against Omaha. Big week to be a Jayhawk pack Horse again. We, we got to figure out a better. It's not the same as pack the booth, but uh, I don't think we'll have any problem getting everyone in horse. Uh, Eastern Illinois Tuesday, UConn Friday night. Great time to be a hawk. Rock chalk.